Merry Christmas, everybody, and a Happy New Year. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us online right now, everyone from the Orleans Justice Centre, St. Tammany Parish Jail, and of course, everybody across our campuses and here at Little Creek. Can we put our hands together and welcome everybody today? Come on. It's good to be at church. It's good to end things this year, right? We're in church together. We're here as a family. It always surprises me how quickly Christmas comes and goes. Uh, and the other thing that surprised me is just how well American people do Christmas, right? You guys know how to eat, I'll say that. I used to think that Thanksgiving was it and Christmas would be snacks, but that's not the case. It's like Thanksgiving is the starter, Christmas is the main, and I don't want dessert ever again. Like, it's, uh, but it's amazing. And uh, as, we, as Pastor Doug said, as Christmas is in the rearview mirror, we look ahead uh, to the year that's ahead. Anybody excited for a new year? Come on. If his mercies are new every day, then his years must be even better, right? And so we're excited for a new year. I'm definitely excited for what God has in store. It's been a tough year. That kind of goes without saying. We all know it's been difficult. We've each had individually our challenges this year and, uh, and things we've had to walk through. Um, but I'll say this, that God has more in store for us in the year ahead than we can ask, think, or imagine. I'm glad to be a part of a church family. Who, who don't live a life defined by what we walk through, but instead we live a life defined by the one we serve and praise and are led by, and that's Jesus Christ. Come on. Our eyes are fixed firmly on him. A new year is exciting, uh, but it's also, I'll say, potentially dangerous. And I'll say that for this reason. You know, the Bible says that the eye is the lamp of the body. And if our eye is filled with light, then our entire body is filled with light. And so what that's talking about is the power of perspective. Perspective is so important. How we see things determines what we're filled with and how we see our circumstances. And we can see this turn of the new year to be the thing that will change things for us. It's very easy to do that. But I want to remind us today as a church family that the restoration we desire from the year we've just had as we move into a new year, will not take place because of a change in calendar. Okay, because so, some of us are gonna wake up on January 1st, and there's an opportunity to be disappointed, disappointed if we think the change in calendar is gonna bring the restoration that we need. But the restoration we need does not come from a change in calendar or anything in our circumstances. It comes from a change happening within us from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. And so today, that's what I want to talk about. As I have a few moments with you, I want to share about the power of restoration, the power of restoration. The, the word rest is a little scary for some of us. Um, for some of us, it's a foreign concept. For others, like all the students in here, it's too familiar, right? All the parents said, amen. You're hitting your student, trying to get them to wake up, right? All you've done is sleep the entire Christmas break. What are you going to do tomorrow? Sleep. Um, but, uh, but rest is a foreign thing to so many of us. And I think there's a fear attached to rest. Because we live in a culture that is very fast. I've learned that moving from Ireland, right? Irish people, it's just like, it's hard to get Irish people going. Like, come on. In America, people are going, doing things, moving. And, uh, and some of us saw that even this Christmas as... The family were in the kitchen, moving, moving, moving. You're thinking, what is going on here? This is a, a well-oiled operation going on right now. But rest is scary for so many of us because we think rest is doing nothing. I want to remind you today that rest is not doing nothing. It's doing something. It's a place of intimacy and peace in our relationship with Jesus. It's not doing nothing. Our circumstances can change Things can happen around us, but if we have a relationship with Jesus, and not just one that started when we were 13, 14, and 15, and we haven't really spoken since. I'm talking about an alive, fresh, and living relationship with Jesus. No year, no events, no circumstances can take that from us. And so today, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the power of restoration. Is anybody excited to hear from the Lord today? Come on. I'm excited. I'm ready. <laughs> Pastor Steve always says, you know, you learn what you preach, you learn what you teach, and so I'm going to be learning up here as I'm sharing what God's put on my heart, but I'm excited about what's ahead, and we're going to turn to John chapter 4 today. If you have your Bibles with you, I'll ask you to turn there. Uh, you may have it on your phone. If you don't have a, a physical paperback Bible or your phone, uh, we're going to actually, actually have it on the screens for you. Uh, and so we're going to open up, and in this text, uh, we see a, a woman who is desperately needing to be restored. 
She hasn't just had a tough 2020. She's not just had a tough decade. Things have been tough for a long time for her. She's desiring restoration. She's been going to the world. She's been going to the things that people said will satisfy her, and she sees that she's still thirsty. And then she encounters Jesus, and everything changes. So I want you to open up with me, John chapter 4, and we're going to start at verse 4 today. It says, now he, Jesus, had to go through Samaria. That's already important. We're going to get back to why that's important, but he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. What I love about Jesus is he was fully God, but he's also fully man, right? He was both. He was fully God, fully man, and so Jesus got tired, and he sits down by this well, and it was about noon. It's so important that it says it was about noon because that typically is the part of the day when the sun is at its hottest. I want to remind some of you from the start today that Jesus is not afraid of going the distance for you. Jesus is not afraid of doing things that are uncomfortable to get to you. And he goes into the heat of the day and he sits by a well and he's waiting for a woman because he's desiring to encounter her. I want to remind our church today that nothing can separate us from the love of God. He is still pursuing you even though you've walked through a tough year. Even though things may still be tough, he's still pursuing you. And he will go to all lengths even to get you into church today just to speak to you and for you to encounter him. This is what happens right here. And a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Because he's thirsty. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. I think Jesus probably just got fed up with his disciples and was like, can you just give me some space, please? You guys are bound to be hungry. Please just go get food. The parents said, amen. Because once the presents were open at Christmas, you said, all right, just go play with them. Give us some time to breathe, all right? So he sends the disciples away. He's getting this one-to-one time. And the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. A little bit of context at this time, there was a lot of tension between the Jewish culture and the Samaritan culture. They didn't integrate, they didn't spend time together. In fact, both avoided one another. But Jesus didn't care. Jesus had a mission. I love Jesus' obedience to his Father. He will go and break cultural norms. He'll get beyond things that separate people just to get to people. And so he doesn't care that he's a Jew and she's a Samaritan. He cares that she is the daughter of his father and he has an assignment. And so he meets with this woman and Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. I wonder if we can say that today. Say living water, living water. He said, if you really knew who you're talking to, I know everything about you. You're the reason I'm here. But if you would would know who you're really speaking to, when I ask you for physical water, you would ask me for something so much greater. You would ask me for living water. And now she's intrigued. He's getting somewhere with this lady. She said, sir, you've nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his son's And his livestock, isn't it so funny when Jesus will speak to us, our first response is to go into our logical thinking. He said, I'll give you living water. She said, where's the well, right? How many of us have been there before? Jesus is saying, 2020 has been tough, but I'm gonna restore you in 2021. Oh, but Jesus, did you see the year we just had? Did you, are you seeing what we're going through? We go in our logic somewhere Jesus is gonna take us in our spirit, And we can't go there in our logic because it's beyond logic. His thoughts are higher. His ways are higher. So we can't react to Jesus with logic because he's going somewhere else. And he begins to press deeper with this woman. And he said, everyone who thirsts, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And this is the reason why he meets her. He says, you think this is all about water, but I'm going somewhere else. 
He said, I'm going to use water to get to the issue of the heart because that's the place that the issues of life flow from. I'm going to get to your heart. I want to suggest today that Jesus will do anything just to get to the issues that we're walking through. He uses water as a picture, but what he's promising her is something so much greater than water. And now he's not talking about water anymore. In fact, he's getting right to her heart. He's getting right to the thing that's been causing her to go in the heat of the day away from people, separating herself, hiding in shame just to go and get some water because she's thirsty. And Jesus says, this isn't about water anymore. You keep coming back over and over again to get refreshed. You keep coming back because you're thirsty. And he's not talking about physical water anymore. He's talking about her and her life and what she's walking through. He says, you keep coming back to get refreshed. You keep going to the things of the world, the well that the world says will satisfy you. And you wonder why you have to keep coming back. But if you meet with me and I give you living water and I fill your life, you'll never be thirsty again. You may get thirsty physically and you're gonna have to come back here, but there's, there'll be something inside you to where when you leave here, you won't have to go to the world. You won't have to try search for it. That water will be within you and you will be constantly refreshed when you want it, when you need it. I'll be there. That's special. That gets me excited. If that promises for her, that promises for me, that promises for you today. And now she's, now she's starting to open her heart because he's touching on the issues of life and she's in need and she's desperate. And look at her response. She says, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty have to keep coming back here to draw water. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of me being refreshed, being dependent upon my own strength. Me coming out here and pulling water up by myself. I'm tired of refreshing myself and it never actually truly refreshing me. Please give me what you're talking about. Jesus wants to go a little further. And he says, go, call your husband and come back. She said, I have no husband. She's an opportunity to say, gotcha, see you, <laughs> and walk away. But he's got her to a place in her heart now where she's just willing to be vulnerable. She says, I have no husband. Jesus says, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands. The man that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Let's skip down to 25. She says, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. She said, I'm ready. I'm ready to understand. I'm ready for him to come along and show up. Little did she know that he was right in front of her. <laughs> then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. We're gonna end this part of the passage we're looking at just right here. It says, just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, then leaving the thing which she came for, then leaving behind the thing that she was dependent upon to satisfy her, she turns and she goes back to the town, to the people she was hiding from, to the people she was running from. She says, come and see a man who told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and they made their way toward him. I love that when she says, he told me everything that I ever did. That's not true, he didn't. He just told her the only thing that really mattered. He went right to the heart. He went right to the issue. He went right to the thing that was dictating how she lived outside of the purpose that he had for her. And I believe that today, everybody here at Little Creek, everyone tuning in online, wherever we're, we're watching today, that Jesus, at the end of this year, is getting straight to the point. He does not want us entering another year without living water. He doesn't want us entering 2021 thinking that the change of a calendar is gonna bring the restoration that we need. No, the change will only ever come by him renewing us, restoring us, refreshing us by that living water that comes only from him, amen. That's, what's, that's what brings restoration. That's what brings change. And that's the restoration I feel like God is saying today. He so desires for us as we enter a new year. There's so much in this text. The main thing I feel like God is saying to us and he wants us to walk away with today is the heart of the Father through Jesus to see us restored and in an alive, living relationship with him. It's all about that place of restoration. It's funny, speaking of rest, 
Some of you in here may feel like you didn't get any rest over Christmas, right? Because there was so much to do. You may be cooking, wrapping gifts, traveling, doing whatever. Uh, but something that we like to do in Ireland is we like to vacation. And I've spoken about vacation before. Some of you are like, is that all the Irish do? Yes, it's true. Let's just get that out of the way. Most of the American stereotypes that you have on Irish people are true. It hurts me to say that. So, you know, youth will ask me all the time, do you guys just eat potatoes? I'm like, yes, that's basically all we eat. You guys love Lucky Charms? Yep, they're pretty good. Costs a little to export them to Ireland, but we enjoy them. I'm not going to say the tagline because I know that's what you're waiting for. <laughs> they are magically delicious. And, uh, and so, but we love vacations. And I remember uh, the last time Pastor Steve gave me the opportunity to speak, I shared about a, a particular vacation to Spain. Uh, but I remember when those trips stopped. It was one year I, I was a teenager, and I was at that point in life where being with your parents isn't cool anymore. You kind of, well, the teen said, oh, yeah, I know what that's like. You walk a little bit faster ahead of them so it looks like you're by yourself. And, uh, and so I was at that stage in life. My dad and mom were starting to get frustrated because I was too cool for them. And, uh, and I was just ready for our vacation. It was coming in a week. And my dad said, I have a different plan this year. I said, Dad, I don't mind as long as it has a swimming pool and a buffet because I was a growing teen. I didn't grow that much because I'm Irish. I've got Irish genes, but I was eating a lot. And, uh, and so my dad said, don't worry, trust me, I've got this. I remember the day, just a few days later, he came running into the house. He was so excited. He said, come on outside, it's here. I'm like, oh no, what's going on? So I get my sister, I get my mom, we go outside. and We walk out to a little camper van in our driveway. It looked kind of like this. I think we got a picture. That isn't it. It was probably just a little smaller than that. And as a teenager, just in case the adults have forgotten, that is your worst nightmare to be in there for a week with your family, okay? Some of you, just to be a little relatable, it was like when you were locked up in quarantine in your house, but smaller. You know what that was like, all right? And so we were obviously already traumatized. We hadn't even got in the thing. We were like, we're not doing this. Dad said, please just go. And so we finally, over time, said, all right. So we go there the following week. We pull up this RV park. My dad was telling the truth. There was a beach there. But the moment that we parked our car and got into squeezed into this camper van that we have. The moment we got there and we got into this thing, it began to rain. And I'm not talking about Louisiana rain where it's like a flood for like 15 minutes and then it's over and you get back to normal life. In Ireland, when it rains, it's like, is this ever going to stop? And it didn't. It rained from day one straight through to day five. By day five, conversation had kind of dried up. We sat staring at each other. My dad had asked me on day one, did you bring the board games? I said, I didn't bring any board games. I've never been in a camper van stuck with my family before. I don't know how this goes. And so we stared at each other. Conversation was drying up. The sun did come out for about 20 minutes. At one point, me and my sister ran to the beach. The moment we get in the water, it rains again, and we just walk back defeated. To add to the joy of the story, when we get back, we realize we left her pet fish that she so dearly loved right against the front window of the camper van. And the son had toasted them. And so now my sister's crying over and over again. Everything in the camper van reminds her of the fish. The fish were our best friends. Now they're gone. My dad's frustrated and angry, not rested. My mom's angry. She's cooking all the time because there's nothing else to do. It was a mess. We were excited to get back. And so on the final day, we throw everything into the car. I know teenagers usually take their time, drag their feet. I was in the car, 7 a.m. Everything was packed, ready to go. Get me home. I had serious FOMO as a teenager. That's fear of missing out. Just for the parents, the, re the reason that your teens freak out when you're going somewhere is because they're going to think that whilst they're away, all of their friends are doing the, the most fun stuff ever. People are moving. People are having parties they're not invited to. It's, it's, it's real as a teenager. And so I'm ready to go. And as we're pulling out of this RV park, and this is the point of the story, I want you to get this. We're pulling out through the exit. We look in the left, and there is a huge facility right there on the grounds of the RV park. My dad looks at me and I look at my dad and I'm like, well, you booked this thing. Like, you should know about this. <laughs> and it has everything that we would have wanted for rest. <laughs> it has an outdoor swimming pool. I would have been in that thing, even in the rain. I don't care. It had an indoor swimming pool. It had a basketball court. It had an indoor soccer court. It had a gymnasium, somewhere to work out. It had everything that we would have wanted to rest. The problem was we had no idea we had access to it. And we sat in this camper van for a week. My dad looked back at me. He said, next year, I said, Spain. He said, yes. <laughs> the problem was this. We had access to something that would have given us the rest we needed. 
but we never went there. And I think so often as Christians, and even just not, as, just not Christians, just even in life, you know, we think that life is all about being in close quarters with people we don't agree with, and it's all about fighting. You don't believe what I believe, and this isn't working, and it's raining on our parade when all along we have access to something that has the, the ability to give us the rest we so desire. And that thing isn't a facility. That thing is relationship with a living God who so loved us, the Bible says. He gave his son to die for us, not just to save us, not just to rescue us, but to have a living, alive relationship with us. That's what we have access to. And so whether you're here today and you've been going through life wondering, is there more? Yes, there is. There's a God who is alive and loves you and wants a personal relationship with you. And then maybe you're here and you've been with the Lord for years. Maybe it's been a year, whatever it is. I want to tell you today, there's further to go. There's more to know. There's a deeper place of intimacy with him where we become more like him and he calls us into the purpose that he has for us. There's things for us to do. We're on assignment from him. It's not get saved and wait for eternity. It's we get saved, we get restored, and we start telling other people what he can do because he did it for me. Amen? And that's what it's all about, that place of restoration. You may be here today and you're thinking, well, Pastor David, I don't really need to be restored. It was a tough year, but I'm feeling pretty good. I'm full up on Christmas food. It's almost a new year. I'm excited. Got some new things. Got some new clothes. <laughs> I want to suggest that all of us need to be restored today. Why? First reason is this, because culture is broken. We live in a society that is broken. We live in a society that is increasingly swaying and strained from the laws that God has put in place. You see, we think God is in heaven, you know, just waiting to crash down on us. And we have all these things that he's put in place and we can't live up to them. And he's just ready to correct us. But God doesn't give us boundaries to tease us or crush us. He give us, gives us those boundaries so we can experience freedom. Real freedom within the context of knowing what's best for us. But we live in a culture that says, I know what's best for me. And I know how to satisfy me. And we can't remove ourselves from this culture. That's part of the tension because God's called us to this place to change it. And it's not about me coming alongside Jesus and hoping that one day I get to heaven. It's about Jesus coming on the inside of me going inside of me with his spirit and filling me up and pursuing other people through me, for me fulfilling my purpose through his spirit at work within me. And we can't do that if we remove ourselves from the culture that we're in. And so culture is broken. I love what Paul said. He instructs us. This is, this is in Romans. He says, do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. How do we become people who aren't conformers but transformers? We do it by getting renewed. We do it by spending time with him in that place of intimacy. Some of us want to know the will of God. Anybody want to know what God has in store for us? We do that by getting to know him. And as he renews us and refines us and restores us, we get to know his perfect, pleasing, his good will for us. As I get to know people more, the more I'm gonna open my heart and share with them. As we get to know the Lord more, there are things the Bible says he will share with us. Secret things, things that we can't even fathom. And he wants us to get to that place with him. But culture is broken. The second thing is this, people are broken. Some of you said, Amen. Because I just spent time with my family. There was a family reunion and that was tough, right? People are broken. Don't get too excited because you're broken too. So am I. <laughs> but people are broken. People are messy. Hurt people. Hurt people, right? Some of us have heard that. The tension again is this though. That once we isolate and we cut ourselves off from people, we cut ourselves off from our purpose. Because people are our purpose. We're called to people. But people are messy. In Proverbs, it says this, where there are no oxen, the, the manger is clean, but abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. Where there are no people in the church, it's clean. But we bring the mess because we're messy people. The thing is, though, that if we want to experience the abundance that God has for us in our lives, it only comes through other people. 
so we can't isolate. That's been one of the biggest challenges this year. 2020 has been tough because of the factor of isolation. Staying away from people more than ever, I, I cherish the relationships in my life, even the ones that were tough before. I was excited to see people I used to be afraid to see. And they're thinking, you've never been this loving. I'm just glad to see you. <laughs> Isolation's been tough. It's been hard. Masks have been tough. I don't know if you're smiling at me. Who's talking to me? When I talk, people are thinking it's something playing on the radio. You know, they're in a store. I was like, what was that? I'm, I'm right here. I'm trying to talk. Let me get my mask now. <laughs> but people are messy. We, cut, we can't cut off from people because people are part of our purpose. But it's a tension because the things that people walk through, people are angry at us. People are better towards us. People cut us off in traffic. People do different things. And so that brokenness runs over when we need to be restored. Final reason we need restored is this, is because our nature is broken. Culture, people, and us, our nature is broken. Paul said this. He said, I do not understand what I do. Some of you are like, amen, that's me. <laughs> For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. If I mess not, I agree the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it's sin living in me. And this is the tension I find with so many Christians. People say, well, if I was restored by Jesus, I, my spirit was saved by Jesus, then why can I still struggle with sin? Well, the thing is, your spirit, yes, was redeemed. Yes, was restored. You were connected again to your Father. You received the Holy Spirit, but you're still in a fleshly body that's living on earth, a body that's been trained for some of us for 40, 50, 60 years, and it kind of has a head start. The joy is in this, though. The spirit, Jesus has already overcome the flesh. And so when we go to react like we used to react and respond like we used to respond, the joy is this. He's living within you. And you can turn to the spirit and overcome the flesh. Right? Amen. We have, we have the power to do that through the Holy Spirit. The problem is, though, we still live in a body. That's nature is distray. We are born of Adam. Your students always ask me, well, why do I have to pay for what Adam did? And I always simply say, well, if it was David and Eve, it probably would have been the same thing. Because my nature is broken. We need to be restored. Looking at our text today as we kind of come towards uh, the real main parts of what I want to share with you. We've got a few minutes left. I want us to walk out knowing this today. As we look at this story, how does a woman who is hiding from people, who is broken, who has is, who is given up on the world, who says that they're still thirsty, how does she find full restoration? How does a change take place in her? How does things begin to change within her when everything else she's tried didn't work? I believe it's through encountering Jesus, but I believe there's a process. And it starts like this. Restoration starts with realization. Jesus gets straight to the issue with this woman, and she realizes how far she's strayed. I like to think that I'm still very Irish, okay? I like to think that even though I've been here for a number of years, that I'm still Irish. And to you guys, I'll still sound Irish, but it's so funny when I go back to Ireland, how much I've become Americanized. I get bullied for it. They're like, it's football, stop calling it soccer, okay? I know they have their own football they play and it's amazing, whatever. But when you're here, call it football, David. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But I realized my accents changed. In fact, when I realize it most is when I get with my dad. My dad, like Google Translate doesn't even have a hope with my dad, right? My dad needs subtitles. <laughs> uh, like he's got such an Irish accent. And when I get around him, I'm like, wow, like I say things like American people. You know, I've had to pronounce things differently. When I first got to youth, I would say things and, you know, our, our leaders would just be like, just nod. And I'd be like, this is going great. <laughs> I've had to be Americanized, but it's funny when I'm with my dad, it's when I most realize how much I've strayed away from being Irish. And I think there's something in that. And, and, and when we face our Father or we meet with Jesus, one of the things we realize is how far we've strayed away from who He's originally called us to be. And it's in light of His goodness, in light of His glory. And He doesn't do it to say, look how far you've gone. Instead, He does it to get us to a place of realization that we need Him. Now, we can face our problems. We can face our struggles. I found out things about me this year in 2020 I did not like. And I was like, Jesus, you need to do something. He said, this is a good start because you're realizing it. I used to let life cover it. I used to let things I was doing blind me to it. And I had to sit in a house quarantined and face my issues this year. 
All of us had to do that, and it starts with realization. But that realization doesn't mean a thing unless we take this next step, and that's repentance. And repentance is necessary for full restoration. If we really want to see freedom, it's funny, everybody wants freedom, but not everybody wants to face the things that keep us bound. We all want freedom. Jesus wants freedom for us, and he does it to bring us to this place of realization. And this is what repentance is. It's not just sorry, because it could be sorry I was caught. Sorry I'm dealing with this. Sorry I don't want to change. Repentance is a two-part thing. It's the sorry, but it's the turning. The turning is key. We see in our story, how do we know the woman was, was restored? It says she leaves behind the thing that she came with, the thing that used to be her source. I want to ask you today, Church of the King, what is your source? Because if it isn't Jesus moving into 2021, we're going to be disappointed by it. He needs to be our source. And he starts to talk about living water. Living water. I did a little research on living water. It's throughout the Old Testament. It's throughout priestly literature. And it was, it was key to cleansing power. It spoke about cleansing power. Do you know what one drop of living water, what they would call living water, would cleanse any stream, any dead body of water. We sang about that today. One word from you, one moment with you, Jesus, can change everything. One drop of living water, one moment when we're in fear and we get restored or we feel a spirit of God on us and we say, I did not get a spirit of fear. I've got a spirit of love and power and a sound mind. One moment can change things. That's living water. It's fresh, it's alive. Bodies of water get stinky when they stay in the same place and they're not flowing anywhere. We're called to be in a flowing relationship with the Father. But if we want the restoration we're called to, it starts with realization. Next is repentance. Next is repentance. It's funny, I was playing soccer when I was a teenager in Ireland, and it was sunny for the only time it's ever been sunny in Ireland. And it was sunny for about three hours, and I was so thirsty. And uh, I just searched through my bag. I couldn't find water. I pulled out this water. There's a little bit left, and it had been in there for months. Some of y'all know what's coming, because I was a teenager. If it was nowadays, they would have videoed it and put it on Instagram. But I drank this water. It, would, it did not look like water anymore, but I was thirsty. <laughs> Short time later, my friend's dad comes walking up with crates of water. He's like, I was in the house, and I realized it's sunny outside. I'm sure you guys are thirsty. Here's some water. I said, where were you? 20 minutes ago when I drank radioactive water and risked my life. Like, we have to realize we can run to other things, but they're never going to satisfy us. In fact, I had probably the worst cramps in my stomach that evening that I've ever had in my life. If I had just went to the real thing, if I had waited for the Father, I would have got real water. I don't know about you, but in 2021, I don't want the other stuff anymore. I want the living water. That stuff doesn't satisfy me. As I close up our time together, we need restored. A new year won't do it. The things we used to rely on won't do it. It's only through relationship with Jesus. Whether we know him or we don't know him, I'm telling you today, it's only through relationship with Jesus. If you know him, you can go deeper. You can go further. There's more to know. He's calling you in. Restoration comes with realization. But next is repentance. And the joy is this that it continues, it's not just a moment. Restoration in us continues through relationship in Him. You can leave this service today and the same living water can be available to you. You might be saying, well, Pastor David, like, what? I don't really wanna lose the things that I have. When I talk to young people, I don't wanna stop doing this. I don't wanna stop doing this. And I tell them, do you know the only thing that you'll lose when you come to know Jesus? The gospel will cost you everything that you were never meant to be. That's the only thing you'll lose. When he becomes all that you want, what you'll lose is what you were never called to be. And that's worth seeking him over, right? I finished with this story today. When I was 16 years old, I started playing professional soccer. I love soccer. It was my thing back home. I thought it was gonna be everything. And uh, I remember getting home from my first game playing and I sat on my bed and I thought, is this really it? <laughs> There's bound to be more. God started doing things in my heart. When I was 18, I walked away from it because I wanted more. I lost one of my best friends to a drug overdose. 
I got home and I said, God, why am I building my kingdom? I need to start building yours. And so I decided to go on an internship for a year, very similar to lead college. I wanted to speak to any of the students, even the moms and dads in here, even if you know a student who's about to graduate from high school and they're unsure of their next step, lead college, I have never seen anything like lead college that's available through Church of the King. Leaders being raised up and not just sent into ministry, sent out into business realms, sent into the marketplace to share the gospel and do life the way Jesus called them to. And I was able to do something similar to that in England. I remember one night I had this dream and God had began to speak to me through dreams. Not every dream was from him, but I knew moments where he would speak to me and had a dream where I was in prison. And I'm speaking to everyone online, the Orleans Justice Center and St. Tammany Parish Jail. You know what this is like. I was in a prison in this dream. The problem was I was looking beyond the bars and there was a church service happening and people were getting saved and healed and I couldn't get there. And I woke up with this burning passion in me of just, Lord, I need to go into prison. I'm going to do it right though. I'm not going to go in for the wrong reasons. So you got to do something about it. So I go to class that day and I'm sitting in class. The guy who's over the prison ministry walks in. He says, I don't know why I'm doing this, but I want to offer somebody the chance to come with me into prison. And I just leap up. I'm like, that's me. I'm going. And so I get with him and he says, okay, this is what we're going to do. You're going to come. You're going to lead worship on Sunday. So I wake up on Sunday. I'm excited. I get on the bus with my guitar. I'm going into the city to meet him. And I get on the wrong bus. It's the right destination, but it's the wrong way to get there. And it takes me through different parts of the city that I probably should not be in as a guy with an Irish accent wearing Hollister gear, holding his guitar, sat on the bus, and just like hanging out. <laughs> and the bus is full of people. They're kind of staring at me. And uh, I'm like, how you doing with my accent? And uh, all of a sudden, the biggest human I've ever seen gets on the bus. And the moment he sees me, he locks in on me and he just starts threatening me. To this day, I still have no idea why he did this. Maybe it was mistaken identity. I doubt it because I looked very Irish. And uh, he just, uh, just came after me, just cussing me out, talking about me, saying things that like, I'll go back to prison for you. I'm like, what is going on? So I take my headphones off and I'm like, yeah, he's talking to me. So he makes his way past me, he goes to the back of the bus. Bus is full of people. I put my worship back in. I'm just spending time with the Lord because I know where I'm going. I know I'm about to play worship, lead worship for people who don't know him. And so I'm spending time, I'm listening to music and the woman in front of me turns around and she's crying. I take my headphones out. I'm like, is he still talking to me? She's like, yes. I'm like, all right, here we go. All right, Jesus. And then I look right, there's a huge bodybuilder. I'm like, okay, we're good. If I don't deal with things, this dude is going to do it. He's good, well, we're good. Well, he gets up and he moves to the front of the bus. Thanks, bro. Uh, all right, Jesus, it's just you and me. And so the guy makes his way back down to me and he stood over me. You talk about wanting to intimidate me, just to, it was demonic, just fear trying to get on me. And at that moment where he stands beside me, I can't explain it. Now I know what it is, but it's like someone lets off a fountain within me and I just start rehearsing scriptures within me. Things I heard when I was a teenager and I was trying not to fall asleep at church. Moments since becoming a Christian where I spent time with him and he would give me scripture and it stayed in me. His word was rooted in me. And on the outside, I'm not shouting anything. I'm not doing anything. I'm just looking straight ahead as if he's not there. But within me, the Lord is just like pulling me into a place of rest with him. Finally, the bus driver gets tired of it, gets up, grabs the dude, throws him off the bus. He comes to my window, starts punching the window and I'm still just hanging out. Everybody's cheering. Woo! Great job. Little do they know inside, I'm just like, you know, just scriptures. <laughs> and uh, I realized something in that moment that nothing compares to being with him. There's no circumstance. There's no threats. There's no people's words. There's nothing that can take from me my place of rest with him. As we move into a new year, even if the next year is tough, I want to let you know there's a place where circumstances cannot steal your joy. No matter what happens around you, I'm believing for an amazing year of restoration. But you will not get off the bus. You're going to stay on course. I end up going to the city. I met my friend. I played, I led worship. He gave the message and 48 out of 50 inmates give their lives to Jesus that day. Come on, that's worth celebrating.
That place is what sustains us, living water, alive relationship with God. As we close out today, I wanna to ask all of us to bow our heads and close our eyes. I feel like God is saying there's some of us who are ready after a dry 2020, after a year of being thirsty, after a year of finding the things that we thought satisfied us, they really don't. We're ready to return to the source today. For some of us in here, it's a returning to something we once knew. Maybe it's a rededication to Jesus. Maybe it's a returning to know him like we once did. For others, it's the first time and you're saying, Pastor David, I just need, like the woman, sir, give me this water. Jesus, give me that living water. I need it because I know what lies beyond these walls. If that's you today and you wanna give your life to Jesus, he promises to come and fill you, to restore you, to give you his spirit. If that's you today, I wanna ask you just to raise your hand. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. I want to just see who I'm praying with. Hands everywhere. It's amazing. Amazing. You can, you can put those hands down. Well, church, let's do this together. What a way to end a year together. Let's pray with one another. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's join with those who are reconnecting with their Father today, who are about to receive living water. Let's do that together. Say, say Jesus. Come on, church. Say, Jesus, I come to you today. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. Say, say, I need you, Jesus. Say, I turn from my past. I, I turn from my sin. I turn from my mistakes. And I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, they say, wash me in your blood. Say, give me a new heart. Give me a new mind. Give me a new reason to live. Say, they say, fill me. Come on, say, say, fill me with living water. I take my life and I put it in your hands. Jesus, I thank you so much for what you've done today. I thank you that we're leaving 2020 the right way. We're leaving victorious. We're leaving filled by your spirit. We're leaving knowing that no matter what 2021 has in store for us, that nothing will steal our joy, our peace, or our relationship with you. We thank you today in Jesus' name. And Church of the King said... What another incredible message. You know, Missy, it really was, and it's a great way to end the year this year. Um, and I love just even ending this year, how we get to join together, we get to worship together, and be challenged and encouraged as well with a great message. So let's go ahead and take this, just not for this week, but let's kind of carry this into next year and be committed to making 2021 a great year. You know, we'd love to hear from you, to hear what God is doing in your life. So take a moment, email us at online at churchoftheking.com. Let us know how these messages have impacted you. You can also email us your prayer requests and we'd love to pray with you. Well, have a great day and we'll actually see you at Church Online next year.